You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. So our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 9. I'll be reading verses 28 through 36. And as I've said, this is the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in the glory of God and were speaking about Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. So I may have made this admission to you all before. I'm sure this is going to come as a surprise to no one. I am a church nerd. I am. I am a church nerd. And because I am a church nerd, I like to read different stories of how churches have been changed by the love of Jesus Christ. And so on my bookshelf, you will find these two books that are on the screen behind me, The Elk River Story, which is the true story of Elk River, Minnesota, and how the churches of that community across denominational lines prayed for transformation and prayed for revival and just exactly how that all happened. And they also find the Hackle, or how the Hackleberg Church became a 13-pie church. It's a fictional story. It's a fictionalized story of true stories which beg the question, what if all my parishioners that I've ever served ever all existed in one church? It's a collection of stories that are true based on this one pastor's entire like, career in ministry. And you'll never guess what I found this week as I was doing research from this sermon. I found the story of Transfiguration Lutheran Church in the South Bronx, New York, which I'm sure has a cockroach named after it. If you've been with me for the last couple of weeks, you know what that means. But this book was called Breathing Space, The Spiritual Journey in the South Bronx, and it was written by Pastor Heidi Newmark. And in the book, Pastor Heidi Newmark relives how her community and how her church were transformed during her 20 years of service to the church. Pastor Newmark says that when she arrived, the community was struggling and the church was barely surviving because the church stood in the middle of poverty. 
and a myriad of other problems that are associated with that, pro- with that poverty. And Transfiguration Lutheran mostly just kept its doors closed to its neighbors. But Pastor Newmark changed things. Or actually, Jesus changed things. The church opened its doors and met its community. And when it met its community, it was transformed by its community and transformed by the love of God. And so, too, was the community around it. Transformation is everywhere. This morning, our message series shifts. We're leaving Corinth and all of its problems behind us, and we're focusing in on this story of transfiguration, this story of Jesus transformed before his disciples. But fear not, dear people of God, for there is in this scripture a love lesson for us to learn. But on this Sunday, before the familiar and unsettling season of Lent, we find ourselves in the Gospels. We find ourselves with Jesus in his inner circle of disciples, with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and Peter, Jesus' most faithful follower and harshest critic. And we find them on top of a mountain. We find ourselves eight days removed from the very first time that Jesus told his disciples what was going to happen in Jerusalem. Namely, that the Son of Man must undergo suffering, must be rejected by the chief priests, be put to death on a cross, and rise in victory. We don't know what happened in those eight days since Jesus said that. But you just have to imagine that that was a topic of conversation among the disciples of exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said stuff like that. But after eight days of untold witness and untold ministry, we find Jesus and these three disciples on top of the mountain to pray. And the disciples were on the verge of falling asleep, and you know, watch that space for seven weeks. But the disciples were on the verge of falling asleep when all of a sudden there was a light. All of a sudden the light overwhelmed the whole scene and the disciples could not possibly have stayed asleep because the glory of the Lord was shining around them. And they saw the full divinity of Jesus on display. They saw Jesus with a changed face. They saw Jesus in dazzling bright garments. And alongside of that, they saw Moses and Elijah. And if that wasn't odd enough, the literal voice of God boomed down over the whole proceeding and said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And then it was all over. This dazzling white, bright white light out of nowhere Moses and Elijah, these figures from history, the literal voice of God, and then nothing. Just Jesus standing there. And while this may seem like such an odd story, maybe even a fever dream or a group hallucination, the story is so important. This is such a big moment in Jesus' ministry, maybe even bigger than I initially thought when I was conjuring up this sermon series about a month ago. I have been in my life as a disciple, I have been familiar with the story of the transfiguration. 
I even know that I have read Luke's version of it this morning, or Luke's version of it before. But this week, as I've been thinking about this particular message, I have been struck by the fact that Luke's gospel and Luke's gospel alone tells us more about why Moses and Elijah are there. This story of the transfiguration is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in Matthew and Mark, the the, the details are basically the same. Moses and Elijah are there. But in Luke, we find out more of why. Because the transfiguration, from the disciples' perspective, has always been this. Their view of Jesus has been transformed. No longer is he just a very powerful rabbi that they just so happen to have the joy of following. In the transfiguration, they see him for who he is. In the transfiguration, they see that he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the one who has come to fulfill centuries-old promises to the people of God. And Moses and Elijah are there basically to just make Jesus look even more important. Because Moses is the great lawgiver of the people of God. Elijah is the great prophet of the people of God. But next to Jesus, they are just props. They're set dressing. They are there only to puff up the importance of the surpassing greatness of Jesus. But Luke's gospel tells us that there is something much bigger going on. Luke's gospel tells us something that that is changing everything. Moses and Elijah are there to discuss Jesus' departure. Moses and Elijah are there to discuss the things that Jesus said eight days before this. And that this means that for Luke, Moses and Elijah are actually having a purpose in being there. They're more than just set dressing. They're more than just pointing to the importance of Jesus. Moses and Elijah have a much bigger purpose. This story itself has a much bigger purpose. Because Moses and Elijah provide clarity and counsel to Jesus and maybe even in some small way, permission for what's about to happen next. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is making a decision based on his love for all of God's people. If we were to keep reading in Luke chapter 9, which I highly encourage you to do throughout the week, after the transfiguration, we read these words at the end of the chapter, Jesus set his face on Jerusalem as the days were coming for him to be taken up. Jesus sets his face on Jerusalem. Because of what happens on the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus knows what the entire rest of his life is going to be. And Jesus knows what the entire rest of his life is for. This is a turning point in Jesus' ministry because almost everything that happens next, from Luke chapter 10 to Luke chapter 16, before the the events of Holy Week start to unfold, is all about Jesus preparing for his departure and Jesus preparing his disciples for his departure. 
So the transfiguration is a moment of retreat before Jesus proceeds on the long road that will lead to Jerusalem and all of the hostilities that are awaiting him. And the glory, of the, God, uh, the glory of God shining around them is a moment that solidifies exactly what will happen when those hostilities cease. The love lesson from this story is that love transforms. The love lesson from this story is that love transforms. It was the very power and presence of God that made that transfiguration happen. But it was the love of Jesus that shone even brighter through it. It was Jesus lovingly allowing his disciples to see his true identity, which had to have changed things for them. It was the love of Jesus taking heaven's permission to proceed to the cross. It was Jesus changing everything about what he was doing. And now everything is about Jerusalem. And everything is about what must happen at the end of his life. This whole thing happened because Jesus' love for the people was so great. Jesus' love for the people in his day, Jesus' love for you, and Jesus' love for me. Jesus' love transformed the world and has never stopped transforming it. It has transformed the churches and the books that I read, and it has transformed you and me. Amen? The love of Jesus has transformed us. Amen? And so now, as those who have been transformed, our call is to set our face on the love lessons of Scripture the ones that we have learned over the past couple of weeks and the ones that we have to learn from the rest of, of the testimony of Scripture. On the way down the mountain, Jesus heals a boy with a demon. That's what happens after the transfiguration. That's what Jesus chooses to do next. The question for you and for me this morning is this. What are we going to do having encountered once again or maybe even for the first time the love of Jesus Christ, the transformational love of Jesus Christ? Jesus' love is still transforming and it's happening through you and through me. And so what are we going to do tomorrow? What are we going to do the next day? What are we going to do with the love lessons that we have learned in this past month and the love lessons that we will learn through Scripture? And maybe, just maybe, it will inspire a book that will sit on a church nerd shelf. Would you pray with me? Loving Jesus, we give you thanks for the way that your love has been made known to us in the care of your people, the comfort of your word, and just the transformation we have seen in our lives and in the lives of others. Jesus, as we have encountered your love once more, challenge us, inspire us, move us to transform the world around us in that same love so that all may know how much your love is for us, how deep your love for, is for us. 
Let us not be the same as a result of today because you have changed us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.